You're listening to The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI Public Radio International in collaboration with the BBC World Service, The New York Times, and WGBH Boston Public Radio. All this week, while the Supreme Court talks about the Affordable Care Act, we're also talking about health care. Many business groups have come out against the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Patient protection groups tend to support it, but the doctors who provide the care are largely divided. Joining us now, we have three of them, Dr. Rachel Narden, a neurologist at Cambridge Health Alliance, assistant professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School. And Rachel, you are in support of the bill or you're opposed to it? Well, I think the bill has some good elements, so I wouldn't want to say that I'm opposed to it. But my concern is that the bill does not meet meet the goals that I have for a health system uh, for our country, which is that everyone should have access to insurance and that that insurance should actually cover the costs of care should my patients get sick. That sounds like you're arguing for universal health care. I am. Okay. Also with us, Dr. Kevin Poe, a primary care physician, joining us from Nashua, New Hampshire. Dr. Poe also blocks at KevinMD.com. And, and Kevin, where do you stand? Well, thank you for having me on. I do believe health reform needs to move forward, but I have serious reservations about the Affordable Care Act. We simply don't have the primary care foundation needed to realize its full benefits. If you look at the ratio... If you look at the ratio of specialists to primary care doctors in the United States, it's about 70 to 30, and that's a ratio that's reversed in the rest of the country. And having health insurance doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to see a doctor. So the primary care shortage is going to be a serious impediment to realizing the Affordable Care Act's full benefits. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the individual ma- you're against the individual mandate or the, the, the idea of covering, insuring all Americans? No, I, I, I do believe that we do need to cover all Americans, and the individual mandate, to me, seems like a reasonable way of doing that. All right. So you heard Dr. Rachel Narden says it doesn't, the bill doesn't go far enough. Dr. Kevin Poe says it's not necessarily salute the solution it should be. And also with us, Dr. Hal Schurz, a pediatric, pediatric urologist and professor at Emory University School of Medicine, also founder and president of the advocacy organization called Docs for Patient Care. So, Hal Schurz, where do you fall on this? Well, I'm again. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Celeste, and um, myself and the organization I represent are against the mandate, and we think that it fundamentally changes the doctor-patient relationship. It begins a slippery slope, where if you're forcing people to purchase something, then you're defining what it is that they must buy. In this case, insurance, and then the government has decided what insurance will look like. And soon they'll decide who gets what, and they will be in every physician's waiting room in this country, and it will ultimately destroy the doctor-patient relationship as we know it. I'm not following you. Healthcare is something that at some point in every person's life they, they, they consume. I mean, the, 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 the government's argument is that you're going to need health care at some point. Therefore, the question is how you pay for it. Do you pay for it by cash or credit? Kind of. That's the argument. How does that interfere with the doctor-patient relationship? Well, because the way that the Affordable Care Act has been set up, the Secretary of Health and Human Services decides on all the protocols that doctors must follow in this health care system. And you're, you're starting with a premise that everybody needs health care, so the government needs to provide it. And I, I um, reject that premise. Everybody needs health care, so it's up to individuals to have health care, and you need to make health care insurance um, attractive enough so that people want it. And unfortunately, the way that things have 
gone in this country for the last 50 years, we've gone into a a situation where there is third-party payment and a total disconnect of patients from the product that they receive as far as the financial aspects are concerned. Okay, that's Dr. Hal Schurz, a pediatric urologist and professor at Emory University School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. Rachel Narden at Cambridge Health Alliance, your answer, it sounds like he's specifically arguing against universal health care. Well, I just yeah, I think it's very important to keep a separate healthcare financing from the delivery of healthcare, and I don't think that because you say um, the government is is going to finance healthcare that it necessarily follows that the government will be interfering in the provision of healthcare. You know, many countries have socialized insurance, um, which is essentially what Medicare is, right? It uses tax dollars to provide insurance for people and does not interfere with the provision of care, which can remain private. And that's a a system that I would support for the United States. I don't think Americans want to be told, um, you know, what doctors they should see or what treatments they should have. Um, And I certainly wouldn't support that. The question is, how do we finance access, free access for patients to the care they want? And the problem with the mandate is it's requiring patients to purchase a private product that is actually fairly poor. So the Affordable Care Act enshrines in law Uh, insurance plans that actually cover very little of the cost. So uh, employers only have to offer plans that cover up to 60% of medical costs. And in the exchanges, um, the limits are also quite low, sometimes as low as 70%. You can imagine if you get sick, if you have the misfortune to get cancer, you know, an insurance plan that covers 60 or 70% of your costs can easily bankrupt you. Yeah, absolutely. That's Dr. Rachel Narden, who's a neurologist. Uh, Dr. Kevin Poe, primary care physician, let me go to you. Do, are you afraid that if the Affordable Care Act goes into, is implemented, that it would interfere in your relationship with your patients? Well, I certainly understand the argument uh, from Dr. Schertz, as well as Dr. Narden, that the Affordable Care Act is not a perfect solution. But my question is, if it repealed, if health reform fails, what do we have left? We're left with a current system where tens of millions of Americans don't have access to basic care and our health costs consume a growing majority of our budget. And if it does fail, it will be decades before we approach health reform again. And to me, that's simply unacceptable because I see patients who can no longer afford to see me anymore. So despite the opposition, I think it's better to have an imperfect solution that we could build on than nothing at all. And that's because our patients simply can't wait. Well, let me take that back to Dr. Hal Schurz. Right now, uh, Dr. Schurz, there's $43 billion in uncompensated care every year. The average American family spends 1000 more for their health care to pay for the uninsured. And you have 50 million Americans who are uninsured, go to the emergency room, and then end up with medical bills that they either can't pay or, or won't pay. Um, we do need, do you, do you agree that we need some kind of health care reform? Oh, I most definitely do. But I think that the way that reform has been been approached is entirely wrong. I think that um, there needs to be insurance reform. There needs to be tort reform. There needs to be um, a, a conversation about how are we going to fix the system for the 15 million Americans who can't get insurance. These numbers that are used of 50 million Americans are totally overinflated and include children who have access to care, but their parents haven't signed them up, or undocumented aliens, or the invincibles, the young invincibles who don't 
want to purchase insurance, but there are 15 million legitimate Americans who can't get insurance, and there are ways of fixing the system for those 15 million rather than blow up the system for 300 million Americans who actually like their health care. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so let's, let's talk about what that solution is. Many of those 15 million are people who have pre-existing conditions, and the insurance companies refuse to cover them. Now, there were seven states that decided to make it illegal for insurers to turn down primary somebody because of a pre-existing condition, but it turned out without a mandate, without covering everybody in the state, it became a disaster. So how do you fix that? Well, right now there are initiatives in states around the country to do just that, to, to institute um, real insurance reform with teeth and punish insurance companies that, um, that cherry-pick, that take the healthy patients and turn down the sick ones. And that's what we really need to do. This is a state-by-state initiative. It's not a national mandate where you fundamentally change health care for every single American out there and, and put a top-down, federally-run bureaucratic system in place. You know, we're talking about things that are, um, like, for example, with Dick Cheney getting a heart transplant, where people are already um, uh, criticizing that, saying, well, you know what, maybe that's not the best use of resources. And okay. that's the discussion that's going to happen in, under, under uh, the Affordable Care Act in the future. That's Dr. Hal Schurz, a pediatric urologist and professor at Emory University. Let me give you the last word here, Dr. Nature, Rachel Narden. Uh, Dr. Kevin Poe, you heard him say that at least this is some kind of solution that we were able to get better than what we had before. What's your answer to that? I wouldn't want to say that, that it does, the bill doesn't have some good things in it, um, but I think I just hold out hope as someone who takes care of patients who still don't have insurance and are bankrupt by their medical illnesses. I hold, hold out hope that sometime in the future uh, we can do better in America and we can make sure that everyone has health insurance that actually covers the cost of care. Other Could this be a first step toward what you're talking about? Well, I think this the, the problem with this bill is it keeps entrenched the private insurance industry in our country, which is responsible for the inefficiencies of our system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we waste $400 billion a year on paperwork that has to do with the fact that we have pro- multiple private insurers. If we, if we emulate what other countries have shown us can work and have government-administered uh, health insurance, you know, like Medicare, which runs at an overhead of 3% instead of 20% for the private insurers, we would have enough money to cover everyone. All right. That's Dr. Rachel Narden, a neurologist at Cambridge Health Alliance and assistant professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Kevin Poe is a primary care physician in Nashua, New Hampshire, uh, blogs at kevinmd.com, and Dr. Hal Schurz, pediatric urologist and professor at Emory University School of Medicine, also heads uh, the Docs for Patient Care organization. Thanks to all three of you. That's what the doctors say. We want to hear from you. Are you an invincible? Hey, are you a nurse? Reach us at 8778-MY-TAKE or thetakeaway.org. I'm John Hockenberry. And I'm Celeste Headley. This is The Takeaway. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex, of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.